The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today, we'll be discussing exactly why Professor Albus Dumbledore, arguably the greatest headmaster Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry has ever seen, never assumed a much greater leadership role within the wizarding world as the British Minister for Magic. As far as legendary wizards go in the world of Harry Potter, Professor Albus Dumbledore certainly tops the list, especially when considering the number of legendary witches and wizards who have wielded the power for good and not evil. For starters, he's likely only one of a few wizards in all of history who was essential in the downfall of not one, but two dark and powerful wizards, both of whom were leading deadly wizarding conflicts. His first conquest of good over evil came when he defeated the dark wizard Gellert Grindelwald on the 2nd of November in 1945. In doing so, Dumbledore not only stopped Grindelwald from continuing to gain power with the intention of subjugating muggles around the world, he also effectively ended the global wizarding war that had erupted thanks to Grindelwald's prejudiced views. Then, in the 1990s, Dumbledore was also responsible for identifying the weakness of Voldemort, namely his multiple horcruxes which eventually led to Harry Potter's ability to defeat the Dark Lord. While not many witches or wizards can attest to attaining the same or similar achievements, Dumbledore defeated those Dark Wizards while also teaching, for Albus was an accomplished professor at Hogwarts for years before finally becoming one of the school's most admired headmasters. So, when taking all of Albus Dumbledore's accolades into consideration, as well as his propensity for what is just and right, it seems rather odd that a wizard as powerful and good as Dumbledore, and who could clearly lead an organized establishment, was never the head of the magical governing body of Britain, the Ministry of Magic. What is a Minister for Magic? For those of you who may not know, the Minister for Magic is the highest ranking official in the Ministry of Magic, the governing body of the wizarding world in Britain. Their role is to regulate and enforce laws for the magical community, while also ensuring that the existence of the wizarding world is kept secret from muggles. But being the minister is not all wand-waving and incantations, it comes with great responsibility. They have to act as an intermediary between the wizarding world and the muggle government, and manage the various departments and employees of the ministry. Being minister means making crucial decisions that affect the entire wizarding community, and sometimes even the fate of the entire magical world. It's a weighty burden to bear, especially when dark wizards like Grindelwald and Voldemort threaten the very foundations of the wizarding society. To succeed as Minister for Magic, one must possess not only magical prowess, but also strong leadership skills. A great minister needs to be knowledgeable, adaptable, and possess the courage to make tough choices. But let's not forget that the minister is also a representative of the wizarding community, acting as a voice for the people. They must listen and address the concerns of their constituents, ensuring that their rights and safety are protected. It's a delicate balance between upholding law and order, while preserving the individual freedoms and values cherished by all witches and wizards. Taking on such a responsibility is no small commitment. The British Ministry of Magic had long since been around by the time Albus Dumbledore could have been the minister, with the institution itself having been formally established in 1707. And while in the centuries that followed, this position was typically democratically elected, there have been several occasions in which the role was appointed to, or offered to, a witch or wizard. 
The first instance in which an appointment was given over an election was in the case of the first ever Minister for Magic, Ulick Gamp, which likely had to do with magical society wanting to get the governing body up and running. However, appointments like this did occur several more times over the years, specifically in times of crisis, when it was more prudent to fill the role quickly than it was to hold a public vote. In terms of our topic in today's video, as you may have guessed, the final instance that we know of in which the role of Minister for Magic was simply offered to an individual was when the Ministry asked Albus Dumbledore if he would like the position, an offer which was made and declined by Dumbledore on multiple occasions. Why didn't he accept? But why wouldn't Dumbledore have accepted the offer to become Minister for Magic, if not the first time round, perhaps the second or even the third? What made him reject the role again and again? What exactly held him back? Surely he knew the type of difference he could have made had he been in that kind of position of power. Imagine how different the events of the Order of the Phoenix and the Half-Blood Prince may have been if Dumbledore had been Minister for Magic instead of Cornelius Fudge or Rufus Scrimger. Well, as the deceased professor shared with Harry while the two caught up in limbo in 1998, he turned down the position of Minister for Magic repeatedly for one main reason. He didn't trust himself with that much power. I, meanwhile, was offered the post of Minister for Magic, not once, but several times. Naturally, I refused. I had learned that I was not to be trusted with power. But you'd have been better, much better than Fudge or Scrimger, burst out Harry. Would I? asked Dumbledore heavily. I'm not so sure. I had proven, as a very young man, that power was my weakness and my temptation. It is a curious thing, Harry, but perhaps those who are best suited to power are those who have never sought it. Those who, like you, have leadership thrust upon them and take up the mantle because they must and find to their own surprise they wear it well. I was safer at Hogwarts. As many of you will recall, the circumstances that Dumbledore is referring to in this confession to Harry is that he neglected his responsibilities as his ailing sister's guardian in pursuit of uniting the Deathly Hallows alongside Gellert Grindelwald. And despite not knowing exactly what led to Ariana's death, he believed himself accountable and feared that since he had once been an incredibly ambitious and prideful young wizard with dreams of glory, he could never again be trusted with the prospect of power. As there is no fixed term for a Minister for Magic's time in office, I suppose Dumbledore feared that if given the power and responsibilities associated with the role, it was highly possible that he would stumble down a path of no return, becoming a power-hungry monster. Perhaps he thought that he would become so egotistical that he would simply refuse to relinquish his authority and doom the British Ministry for Magic to be subjected to his reign. But as it turns out, that really wouldn't have been possible as the ministry is not a dictatorship and each minister is required to hold regular elections, at least once every seven years. So holding this position indefinitely, especially if he were to fall back into the ways of his prejudiced, ambitious youth, simply would not have been possible. There are clear checks and balances in place in order to prevent such a thing from happening. For example, during Perseus Parkinson's time as Minister for Magic between 1726 and 1733, he tried to make it illegal to marry muggles, and the wizarding community promptly voted him out as soon as they could. There's also the fact that Dumbledore no longer seemed to crave power, or at least his fear of power had substantially subdued his ambitions. This is the very reason he turned down the opportunity to become the Supreme Mugwump, leader of the International Confederation of Wizards in 1932. He rejected the offer despite it being offered by a Chilin, 
a revered magical creature known for being able to look into a person's soul and find out if that individual is pure of heart. Clearly the Chillin thought that Dumbledore wasn't a threat to magical society in a position of power, not to mention the fact that the Chillin selected Dumbledore even though he wasn't even a candidate during that election. In addition to Dumbledore's fears of power and leadership, there may have been another reason that he never accepted the Ministry's offers to become Minister for Magic, the fact that he always had his own agenda. In addition to running Hogwarts, he was also constantly working out exactly how to take down the Wizarding World's two greatest adversaries of his lifetime, Grindelwald and later Voldemort. With Gellert Grindelwald, Dumbledore worked with Newt Scamander and a group of witches and wizards to orchestrate how to defeat the Dark Wizard, and then decades later, in 1970, he formed the Order of the Phoenix in order to combat the evil forces of Lord Voldemort and his Death Eaters. After Voldemort's first downfall in 1981, Dumbledore continued to plan for what he believed to be the Dark Lord's inevitable return, mentoring and training a young Harry Potter from the time the boy arrived at Hogwarts until Dumbledore's death in 1997. Albus also led the revival of the Order of the Phoenix in 1995, after Voldemort had returned, and trusting no one completely, Dumbledore alone worked out how Voldemort had been able to return as well as how he planned to remain immortal. Upon uncovering how the Dark Lord planned to live forever, thanks to his multiple Horcruxes, Dumbledore then put together an elaborate plan to ultimately help Harry take down Voldemort for good. Some of this, Albus even supported from beyond the grave, like when his sentient headmaster portrait helped Professor Snape by instructing Severus on how to get the Sword of Gryffindor to Harry in order to move his plan forward. And as mentioned earlier in this video, Dumbledore even gave Harry some posthumous advice during Harry's time in Limbo, at the otherworldly version of King's Cross. What if Dumbledore accepted? What I want to explore next is, what if Dumbledore took the Ministry up on their offer? With Dumbledore's own feelings on the matter aside, how do we feel he would have handled things differently? And how would this change have impacted the story, as well as the greater wizarding world? The first thing worth mentioning is that if Dumbledore had accepted the position as Minister, then Cornelius Fudge would have likely never risen to power. They wanted Dumbledore for minister of course, but he'd never leave Hogwarts, so old Cornelius Fudge got the job, bungler if ever there was one, so he pelts Dumbledore with owls every morning, asking for advice. Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic from 1990 to 1996, is widely regarded as one of the worst ministers due to his incompetence and inability to effectively address the challenges that face the wizarding community during his tenure. Some notable examples include Fudge's inadequate response to Voldemort's resurrection. Fudge refused to believe that Voldemort was back, and actively discouraged anyone from even mentioning his name, insisting that it was a lie spread by Dumbledore and Harry Potter. His denial of reality ultimately led to the Ministry's unpreparedness to deal with the Death Eaters' attacks. Fudge's fear clouded his judgement, and his reluctance to address the truth head-on ultimately led to his downfall and the undermining of the Ministry's authority, as seen with the widespread loss of faith in the Ministry by the public. Inability to maintain law and order Throughout his tenure, Fudge's ministry faced corruption and mismanagement. He struggled with balancing the ultimate authority of the Ministry with the rights of the wizarding populace, leading to ineffective or downright harmful policies, such as the educational decrees that granted Dolores Umbridge sweeping educational authority. Lack of leadership skills When it comes to leadership, Fudge leaves much to be desired. 
Throughout his tenure as Minister for Magic, he displayed a remarkable lack of vision, courage, and decisiveness. Instead of taking bold and proactive measures to address the rising threat of Lord Voldemort, Fudge chose to bury his head in the sand, clinging to a facade of normalcy. He was more concerned with maintaining his own reputation than with protecting the wizarding community. Fudge's leadership style was characterized by indecisiveness and a constant need for validation. He relied heavily on Dumbledore's advice, but was often reluctant to follow it, preferring to downplay the seriousness of the situation rather than confront it head on. This lack of conviction and refusal to make tough decisions ultimately weakened the Ministry's ability to effectively counter Voldemort's influence and protect its citizens. Prejudice and Bigotry Throughout the series, Fudge's favoritism towards pure-blood wizards is evident. Pure-blood supremacy was a prevailing ideology in the wizarding community, and Fudge's mindset seemed to align with this discriminatory belief. He prioritized the interests and privileges of pure-blood families while neglecting and marginalizing those from different backgrounds and blood statuses. You are blinded by the love of the office you hold, Cornelius. You place too much importance, and you always have done, on the so-called purity of blood. You fail to recognize that it matters not what someone is born, but what they grow to be. Overall, Cornelius Fudge's tenure as Minister for Magic was marked by inadequate leadership and an inability to handle the challenges facing the wizarding community, leading to negative consequences for both the Ministry and the populace it was meant to serve. Under Dumbledore's rule, I think it's unlikely that any of these things would have happened. I suppose you could argue that Fudge operated largely on the advice of Dumbledore, but in truth, Fudge never really listened to him. We've all had those friends who come to us for advice but never seem to actually follow it, and it turns out that Fudge was no different. Throughout the books, we see Fudge seeking out Dumbledore's counsel on numerous occasions, especially in times of crisis. However, despite Dumbledore's sage advice and warnings, Fudge often chose to ignore it, preferring instead to cling to his own misguided beliefs and ideals. And in a world where Fudge's mark on the Ministry is wiped clean, replaced instead with Dumbledore's reign of power, I think that things would have been very different. I'm not going to dive too heavily into the minutiae of this topic, but here are some of the larger takeaways. Voldemort's return, the big one. If Dumbledore had been minister, he would have publicized the warnings about Voldemort's return right from the start. This would have led to better preparedness in the wizarding world and a more proactive approach in combating the Dark Lord's influence. Potentially preventing the gradual takeover of the Ministry and the subsequent events in the later books. Order of the Phoenix With Dumbledore as minister, he would have had more authority and resources at his disposal to form a strong and united Order of the Phoenix. This would have provided a more coordinated resistance against Voldemort and his Death Eaters, giving Harry and his allies a better chance in their fight against the Dark Forces. Blood Status Equality Dumbledore, known for his belief in equality, would have worked towards dismantling the pure-blood supremacy ideology ingrained within the wizarding community. His leadership might have brought about measures to promote inclusivity and equality among wizards, regardless of their blood status. Ministry Transparency Dumbledore's leadership may have promoted greater transparency within the ministry, reducing corruption and ensuring accountability. This would have established a stronger trust between the Ministry and the wizarding community, and prevented unwarranted secrecy and cover-ups. Harry Potter and the Prophecy Another big one, without Dumbledore around to give him guidance, would Harry still have fulfilled Sybil Trelawney's prophecy and defeated Voldemort? 
Indeed, if Dumbledore had been Minister for Magic instead of Headmaster at Hogwarts, it's possible that Harry's journey may have been very different. However, it's also possible that Dumbledore's heightened authority may have led to a more structured and strategic approach to dealing with Voldemort's threat, potentially resulting in Harry having a more defined and specific role in defeating him. That being said, it's also important to consider the role of free will and personal agency in Harry's journey. Even if Dumbledore had been guiding Harry more directly, it's likely that Harry's own choices and actions would still have played a significant role in defeating Voldemort. In the end, it was Harry's own bravery, ingenuity, and willingness to sacrifice himself that ultimately led to the destruction of Voldemort's Horcruxes and his eventual defeat. As for the impact on the prophecy, Dumbledore's absence as headmaster may have changed the circumstances around its interpretation, but it's unlikely that it would have completely altered its outcome. As I mentioned above, in the end, Harry's success was largely due to his own actions, resilience, and bravery, and his destiny as the Chosen One was only a small part of the larger story of his growth and development as a wizard and a person. And with that last and most important point established, I'm going to stop myself. With Dumbledore as minister instead of headmaster, there are almost too many changes to count. That's why I'm going to ask you guys, what do you think? What would have changed in a world with Dumbledore as minister? Would it have prospered in a way unlike we've ever seen before? Or would Dumbledore's thirst for power re-emerge in the worst way possible? Let me know down in the comments below. As always, if you enjoyed this video, don't forget to like it and subscribe to the channel. Also, be sure to check out the content on Spotify, as well as extra content on my second channel, Harry Potter Theory Extra. Until next time, remember, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live.